morning and welcome to today's podcast for Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And it is a great month. The month of Nisan is the month of miracles. It's the month of Geula. And I'd like to welcome you to today. Uh, we will be listening to some Parsha, some Halachas of Pesach, and some very interesting Halachas of how to kosher dishes and things like that. So please pay close attention. And we will also have some Chumash, Mishnayis, Chazara, and the end of our story. So have a great time listening, and have a great day. For today's Parsha's thought, I'm going to share with you from Shazak Parsha, what he says about the Korban Shlamim. And let's listen up. A peace offering. The Korban Shlamim is unique. It's unlike the Korban Ola, which is entirely for Hashem and also different than other korbanos which are shared. Some of the korban goes up to Hashem, and the other part is for the kohanim. On the other hand, korban shlomim, the peace sacrifice, is the only korban divided into three pieces. Hashem, the kohen, and the owner. Get it? Peace? Pieces? <laughs> they each get a share of the meat. Let's visit a certain Mr. Tuvia tanks a lot. Rev Tuvia wakes up in the morning in a super good mood. He is grateful for all the wonderful blessings bestowed upon him. So he decides to bring a Corbin Schlumen to express his happiness to Hashem. He has plenty of choices. I could bring either an ox, a cow, a ram, a female sheep, or a male or female goat. A portion of this korban is brought on the altar for Hashem. The rest of it is shared between Mr. Tanksalot, his family, and the Kohanim. It's time to celebrate! I have so much to be grateful for, says Mr. Tanksalot at the celebration. I thank God a lot. I have good health, a wonderful family, when my business is booming, growing day by day. Chametz and Matzah have exactly the same letters in the middle. Mem and Tzadik. Chametz has a Ches and Matzah in the beginning and Matzah has a, a hay at the end. Now when you look at a Ches, which is from for the Chametz, you see it has no opening at the top of the letter. The hay has a side outage. If you look at the hay, there's a way to get out of the hay on the side. This tells us that when one acts in a way of chametz, he's going to be really stuck. There's only one way for him to get out. It's going down. When you act like a Mr. Big Shot, you're going to end up going down. But if you act like a Mr. Matzah person and you're more humble, you're not going down. You have a way out through the side, like the hay. In order for the matzah to become chametz, you don't even have to do anything. You just need to leave it alone. Just by leaving it, 
leaving it and leaving it and leaving it, the matzah will turn into chametz. But if you, and the same thing is with every single one of us yidin. If we just leave ourselves, we're going to turn into chametz. In order to remain matzah, in order to remain humble, in order to remain in, in a positive way and complimenting people and, and not feeling like a Mr. Big Shot, you have to always work with yourself to make yourself a better, better person. Okay, boys, let's talk a little bit about koshering. The best way and the most strictest way is that when we cook for Pesach, we have a completely separate kitchen set of pots, pans, cutlery, plates, pans, everything is new. It doesn't have to be new, but it has to not be used for chametz. It's just for Pesach. That's the best way. But not always is everybody in a position to go and buy new pots, new pans, new silverware, new plates, new cups, new bechers, and all the new things that you need to have a nice yantif. And if the pots and pans that you have and the plates and the spoons and all these things that you have, all the kitchen tools that you have were used for chametz, if you want to use them for Pesach, you need to make them kosher for Pesach, which means you need to kosher them. What does koshering mean and why do you need to kosher? So I will explain it with a pot. Let's take an example of a pot. A pot that you cooked chametz. When you have the pot on the fire with water in it and you're cooking a piece of chametz that can meat in it, what happens is the flavoring and the taste of that chametz that can meat gets swallowed into the walls of the pot. Now, if you take that pot and you use it on Pesach and and you want to cook a non-chametz stick a piece of meat in there, when you put the, the pot with a piece of meat and water and it's bubbling on the fire again, you know what's going to happen? The chametz that was swallowed into the walls of that pot is going to fly out of the walls into the water and into the meat. And of course, that doesn't work. So how do we fix it? So the rule is The way the chametz is swallowed into the pot, that's the way it gets spit out of the pot. How did the chametz get swallowed into the pot? By being on a fire with water. So all you need to do is take that pot, fill it up with water, boil it, 
and the chametz will get spit out from the walls of the pot. The same thing with burners. You have the burners that you put the pot on. That's a chametz deka burner. How do you make that pesach Well, how did the chametz get into that burner? It got into the burner by having the fire on while you're cooking a pot on top of that burner. Well, all you need to do is turn that fire on. And when you turn that fire on, the same way the chametz got swallowed into that burner, that's the way it's going to spit it out. And that's called torching. So when... When a, when a pot swallows chametz with water, with something cooking in it, you have to boil water in the pot to get rid of that chametz from the walls of the pot. And if you want to get the chametz out of the burner, you have to turn the fire on. And the same way the chametz went into that burner, that's the way it's going to go out of the burner. Have an excellent Shabbos. I hope this was clear. Afrelich and Shabbos. Hello. In today's Chumash, we are going to continue with the end of the Makav Arba, the end of the Locust. And let's see what happens over here. We knew that they came in with a Ruach Kadim on an eastern wind. And when they did come into Mitzrayim, they devoured up everything it was so bad that Pari called back Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, I have sinned. Please forgive me this time and just go. And guess what? Just daven for me. Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, does that. And he goes and he davens. But Hashem has a plan. It's not yet time for the Yidin to go and Pari isn't yet sincere. So Pari is going to, of course, not agree. But in the meantime... The Arba is being removed from Mitzrayim. And in the same way that they came, that's the same way that they went back. They came on an eastern wind, so they went back on a western wind. And the western wind is a Ruach Yam. It is being blown, because remember, Yama Vakedma Tzafayna Vanegba. So Yama is west. Kedma is east. So the western wind is going to blow them. And from Mitzrayim, into the western direction, there's something else called yam, which is a yam suf. So this yam, the first time when it says yam in this pasuk is going to be west. And then we're going to have it again, yama is going to be yam suf, into the ocean. So it's a very yummy pasuk, if, if I must say. But in any case, Pay attention to those two different times when it says Yam and Yama. The first time is Yam, like Yama Vakedma Tzafayna Venegba, Western. The second time, Yama Suf, is going to be into the Yam Suf. Alrighty, Hashem is going to make this Western wind blow, and it's going to take all of the grasshoppers and blow them into the Yam Suf. Some Adrashim say that they actually didn't go into the Yam Suf yet. They were actually hovering still on top of the Yam Suf, waiting for the Mitzrim to come. And they would attack them yet again. Like you know in the Haggadah we mentioned that one of the opinions is that at the Yamsuf they had a taste of all of the Makais and how many times they came again and again and again. So according to that Medrash, um, the Arba came now 
I'm sorry, they, they left and they went over the Yamsuf, and when the Yidin came, they went into um, the Mitzrim, when the Yidin and the Mitzrim came. Fine. Another interesting thing we'll see, there was no... Um, not one grasshopper remained. I want you to learn that Rashi inside, but I'll tell it to you. It means that even the ones that they had tried to put aside for themselves, that they had what we call pickled, or put them into a salted little vase or a jar or a barrel to eat them because they would eat these things, even those ones disappeared. Either they were pulled out by their fellow grasshoppers, they said, hey, we'll get you out of this mess, and they took them and they brought them back with them to the Yamsuf, or Hashem miraculously made them disappear. But either way, the Mitzrayim did not benefit from any of the locusts that were there, and they now miraculously disappeared. That is the idea of what's going on in today's Pesukim. And now let's take a look inside Pasuk Yotas. Vayahafeich Hashem and Hashem v'nahapichu. Hashem turned around like that. So Vayahafeich Hashem and Hashem turned around. Ruach Yom, a western wind, because before it was an eastern wind, and now it's a western wind. Chazak me'oid, very strong. Vayisa esa arbe, and it lifted the arbe. Vayiska eyu, like a tekia, blew it. And it blew it, Vayiska Eyu, and it blew it, Yamasuf, into the Yamsuf. So the first time I said it was a Ruach Yama, Western wind, Yamasuf into the Yamsuf, like Mitzrayma, the hey at the end, Yamasuf, into the Yamsuf. Loinishar, it did not remain, Arba Echad, one locust, Bechol Gevul Mitzrayim, in the whole border of Mitzrayim. Okay, so. Think about those words, and now follow along. I'll do that slowly so you can repeat it. Vayahafeich Hashem. Good, and Hashem turned around. Ruach Yom. A western wind. Chazak mi'oid. Very strong. Vayisa sa'arbe. Very good. It carried up the arbe, lifted the arbe. Vayiska ehu. You think of the word tekia. Good, and it blew it. Yamasuf. Good. Think of the word Mitzrayma. Like two. Good. So to the Yamsuf. Loi Nishar. Arba Echad. Not one. Locust remained. Bechol Gevul Mitzrayim. Very good. In the whole border of Mitzrayim. You knew that Pasuk very well. Now we'll do Pasichaf. So what happens? Still, Pari is going to say no. Vayichazik Hashem. And Hashem strengthened a slave Pari, the heart of Pari. And he did not send the Bnei Yisrael. What a chutzpah, this guy. That he sees the miracles of Hashem, but he still says no. Well, that's what it says. That Hashem sees the direction that a person wants to go. If a person wants to go on the bad path, Hashem says, I give you enough tries, I'll help you get there all the way to the end. But we should know that if a person wants to go on the good path, even if you're not there yet, but if you're trying, Hashem says, I'll take you there till you reach it. So we have to always go in the right direction. Vayichazik Hashem. Are you ready? Pasichaf. Vayichazik Hashem. Good. And Hashem strengthened. A slave Paroi. Good. The heart of Paroi. Veloishi lachas b'nei Yisrael. And he did not send the b'nei Yisrael. If you have a chance, please listen into the Rashis. There are some beautiful Rashi recordings. And I want to thank Rabbi Frankel and Rabbi Marcus for their help and making all the different things available. And I want to wish you a great day. Please listen to the recordings until you know them well, and call in when you do. So now that we've completed Mishnah Zion, 
I'd like to go back and do Chazara from the beginning of Parak Dalid. Let's do the first couple of Mishnahs, and we're going to do it a little bit speedy. We'll call it a speedy Chazara. So let's do Mishnah Aleph and Mishnah Beis today. All right, what's going on over here at the beginning of the Parak? It was like a title, an introduction to all of the different mitzvahs of Sukkot and how many days they can possibly be. So please open up to Parak Dalid, Mishnah Aleph, as we list the various mitzvahs in one Mishnah, and then each Mishnah goes back over it and explains how it could be. All right. Lulav Arava, the mitzvah of Lulav, and the mitzvah of Arava, Shisha Vishiva, is sometimes six days and sometimes seven days. Ha-Halel, the mitzvah of Halel, Ve-Ha-Simcha, and the mitzvah of Simcha, which really means the karbanis that they would bring called the Shalmei Simcha, and eating meat on Yom Tov is a mitzvah of being happy. How many days was that? Shmaina, eight days. Sukkah v'nisachamayim, the mitzvah of living in the sukkah, and the mitzvah of nisachamayim, pouring the water on the mizbeach, shiva. That is seven days. It doesn't matter what the order of sukkah is, what day it starts, that you can do all seven days, as well as halal and simcha, you could do all eight days. Okay, hachalil, the flute, chamisha v'shisha. The Simchas Beis HaSha'eva, where they would celebrate with music, sometimes it would be five days and sometimes it would be six days. So we'll have to go through each Mishnah to hear the details of how it's possible for it to be seven days or six days. Mishnah Beis is going to explain us how the Lulav can sometimes be taken seven days and sometimes be taken for only six days of Sukkot. So Mishnah Beis, Lulav Shiva Ketzad, the Lulav for seven days, how is it? Yom Tevarishim Shochag, the first day of Sukkot, Shechol Diyez that fell out to be on Shabbos. Then, Lulav Shiva. Lulav would be for seven days. Ushar Kol Hayamim. And on any of the other days, Shisha, it would be six. Which means that if the first day of Sukkot is on a Shabbos, since the mitzvah of the first day is more strong than the rest of the days of Sukkot, like we know the Pasuk tells us, V'lekachtam Lachem B'yem Harishayim, that the B'yayim Harish and first day is the real mitzvah midaraisa. So on that day, you'll take your lulav, even if it's on a Shabbos. But if the Shabbos of Sukkot is on any other day, not the B'yayim Harishon, then you wouldn't take your lulav. So if the first day of Sukkot is on a Shabbos, so then you would take your lulav, you'd have all seven days of Sukkot. If any of the other days, meaning Sukkot didn't start on a Shabbos, if it started on a different day of the week, and you have a Shabbos in the middle of Sukkot, so then you wouldn't take your lulav, and you'd only have the lulav for six days. And now, have a great day. Part two. Well, what happened was, the two partners, Shmuel and Rabbi Yosef, realized that they had a very big problem on their hand, and that was that they hadn't sold their chametz. And it was now Pesach by night, and it was very difficult for them to celebrate the Yom Tif of Pesach. Well, they made it through their seders, and they went to sleep. We'll start with Reb Shmuel. Shmuel woke up in the middle of the night and he heard screaming outside of his house. From his window in his room, he could see something looked strange. He was able to see it was kind of bright. First he thought maybe it was almost morning. But when he looked again, when he opened the window, he smelled the smell of smoke. Indeed, it wasn't morning, it was in the middle of the night. But what was the light that was lighting up the sky? It was from a gigantic fire somewhere in the town. Yikes, 
In those days, especially a fire was dangerous. It could lead from one thing to another quickly. They didn't have a fire department and everything was made out of wood. Reb Shmuel quickly got dressed and he ran out of his house to go and see where the fire was coming from just to make sure everybody was safe. In the meantime, Rabbi Yosef also woke up in his home and sensing that there was some danger going on, he also opened his window and he noticed right away there's some fire somewhere in the town. He got dressed and he put on his shoes and he ran out of his home and he began to run towards the direction of the fire just to make sure that everyone was okay and to see if there was anything that he could do to help save anyone's lives. As he was running, he noticed a very strange thing. The direction that he was running felt somewhat familiar. I feel like I, I, I just go here once in a while. I know this route. I know it very well, he thought to himself as he ran down the roads. Wait a second. And he turned the corner. I know that he turned the corner right over here. I've done this before. He ran down the block and then he sees that the fire is coming from the other way. So he turns that street. Wait a second, I know this direction. And he notices that the direction that he's running is so familiar because it's the direction that he goes every single day to go to work. This is the direction of my work. Where, where, where am I going? There's a fire next to my work. What's happening? And lo and behold, Vimen Zankt, sure enough, he pulls up in front of the gigantic fire that's taking place at the edge of the town. And he sees that there's a lot of people standing around and there was some Goyim over there with fire extinguishers of their times, buckets of water trying to put it out. But he sees that there's a giant building on fire. And everybody says, watch out, watch out. This building is on fire. Don't get too close. Let the fire department do their job. The fire department says, move away, move away. Please, no trespassing. This gigantic factory is on fire. Another fire department man says, this whole this building is junk, it's broken. The whole thing is, is broken. Fire is come, it's destroyed. The whole thing is junk. Everybody was looking in astonishment as this gigantic factory was on fire, especially who was looking on in surprise? None other than Rabbi Yosef. This is, this, this, wait a second. And he realizes, why does he recognize the place? Because the fire is on none other than his very own building. Oy vey! This fire is on my building. It's in my business. What do you say? It's none of my business. It is my business. So go away. It's none of your business. It is my business. It's mamish my business. And he steps to the side and as he watches in horror, his whole business is burning down to the ground. And he feels terrible. Hashem is mamish punishing me. This must be because I didn't sell my chabits. Oy vey. Hashem is so upset at me. And now look what's happening. One bad thing after the next. First I didn't sell my chametz and now my whole factory is being burned up. I'm going to be a poor man. It was very sad. In the mean moment, at the same time, a thought entered his head. I wonder what's, what's with my friend Reb Shmuel, the other owner of this factory. Oy vey. When he's going to find out about this, he'll also be so devastated. He'll be so upset. Where is he? Where is he? And he wipes his tears and he starts to look around through the crowd to find his friend Reb Shmuel to share the bad news. And maybe he's not even there. Maybe he'll have to go to his house and tell it to him slowly and softly. 
doesn't want to ruin his yamtiv, but it's you know he thinks it's something that he should know. He's walking around through the crowd. Hey, anybody see Reb Shmuel? I said, said already, it's not of your business. It's not his business. I told you, it is my business, and it's his business. It's literally both of our business. Where is Reb Shmuel? And he's looking around. He doesn't see him anywhere. And he's looking, and he sees all the people that are standing. <gasps> and everybody is looking, <gasps> like in surprise. And the firemen are trying to put out their things. Everybody's huddled. But then he notices off to the side. Off in the corner, away from the rest of the crowd. Closer to the forest. Away from the fire. But yet, still within the light of the flames. Somebody that can clearly see the fire, but isn't too close. He can make out a figure in the darkness of a man who is dancing like it is Simchas The guy is dancing up and down, he's jumping around, he's having a great time, and he's singing to himself, And he is singing away. Who, Who in their right mind is singing away at this crazy moment. Who could that be? He thinks to himself, oh, there must be a Meshuggah over here. Let me go and check if he knows where Reb Shmuel is. And as he walks over to him, to his surprise and amazement, the Meshuggah that he is imagining to find is none other than his very good friend, Reb Shmuel. Reb Shmuel! Reb Shmuel! It's me, Reb Shmuel! Stop your singing! Don't be Meshuggah. Maybe Meshuggah for sushi, but still, it's Pesach. It's rice. Rice is his kidneys. Anyways, no, what are you jumping around? Oh, Reb Yasef. Reb Yasef. So good to see you. No, come. Dance with me. You can dance with me. Let's be Besimcha. What? Be Besimcha? Our factory is burning down to the ground. Why are you dancing? What are you dancing for? Are you okay? I'm okay. Mazel tov, mazel tov. The Eberster has given us the greatest gift, the best matone. What? What are you talking about? And Reb Shmuel, with all seriousness and sincerity, he looks at his friend Reb Yosef and he says, Don't you understand? I cannot believe how kind the Eibishter is to us. I, I, I don't know about you, but I couldn't celebrate Pesach tonight. And I felt absolutely terrible. This time, how can I sing the man, all these things? When what? I have all these chomets in my possessions. How can I sing about this Yom Tif when I am the owner of Chometz? I felt so bad. I, I, Mamish was feeling terrible. And the Eibishter is so kind. He did me the greatest favor. Now I could be Besimchan Yom because I don't have any Chometz. No, Rabbi Yasef, come and dance. Mi Mitzrayim ge'yalton, mi Like that, with so much Simcha. Because he sees that this isn't a tragedy. This is a celebration. He sees that Hashem is being so kind to him. He's removing his chametz. Wow. What a muna. What an amazing chassid. 
And sure enough, Rabbi Yosef, when he took a look and he realized that Rabbi Shmuel wasn't joking. He wasn't Meshuggah for sushi. He wasn't even Meshuggah for matzah. He was just a Ehrlich, a sincere, good Jewish chassid. And he learned from him how he should also celebrate. And the story ends that the two, the two of them, they celebrated, they enjoyed those moments and they were able to celebrate the rest of their Yom Tif. Afterward, Afterwards... The Rav gave them a bracha that they should have Hatzlacha after Pesach to reestablish their, their business. They borrowed money and they were able to once again start their business all over again. While the story in a way is, is, is long and gone and the factory is no longer in existence. But the lesson is so long lasting and clear. No matter what comes our way, a chassid looks at everything as, as a gift from Hashem. Yeah. And he sees the positive side of it. He sees that it's not a fire or a destruction. It is a beautiful way that Hashem is allowing us to do our mitzvah. And when we have that positive attitude and that positive outlook, then guess what? It's like it says, mitzvah, gereras, mitzvah. One good thing leads to another. And simcha pirates together. <clears throat> so we're going to end our story for today. Goodbye. Have a very good... Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. 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 <laughs>